0: Welcome everybody to this month's episode of The S Word, a podcast about suicide prevention. I'm Sarah Kolbeck. I am an assistant professor in psychiatry and behavioral medicine at the Medical College of Wisconsin. And I also direct our division of suicide research and healing in our comprehensive injury center. And I'm glad to be back this month after um, being out last month. So I'm glad to be back with you, Andrew.
1: Yeah, glad you're back, Sarah. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Andrew Schramm. I'm an assistant professor uh, in trauma and acute care surgery at the Medical College of Wisconsin. And uh, my background is in uh, clinical psychology. So uh, excited uh, for the conversation we've got uh, lined up for today, Sarah.
0: Yeah, me too. So September is Suicide Prevention Month. um, And I'm really excited because we have several of our medical students here with us today from the Medical College of Wisconsin to talk with us about work that they do in the space of mental health promotion and suicide prevention. But before we get into our episode for today, I just want to remind our listeners that we will be discussing topics related to mental health and suicide. And so if you are ever concerned about yourself or a loved one, don't hesitate to reach out to uh, resources that are available both locally and at the state. Um, you can always reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by either dialing or texting 988. You can also reach the Crisis Text Line by texting the word TALK to 741741. And of course, if you find yourself feeling activated or um, feeling any kind of way about any of the discussion that we're having today, please feel free to hit pause and come back at a later time. Um, Take care of yourself. And so I'm really, as I said, excited to have our medical students with us today. Uh, we have four students with us, uh, Justin York, Casey Balson, Aaron Gruber, and Grace Beagle. Really excited to have all of you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming, everyone.
2: Thanks for having us. We're yeah, excited. thanks for having us.
1: <laughs> We're What super year excited. In, in med school are you all?
2: I am a second year i'm also a second year
1: okay so grace and Aaron, second year and then casey and justin are you in the same cohort
3: mm-hmm. yeah i'm a we're both third years yeah third years.
1: okay awesome awesome well, i know y'all are busy as heck so uh thanks again for for coming uh you know to to do this podcast today
0: yeah 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 it was scheduling this was <laughs> a little bit interesting which was is a doozy. Yeah. how uh how busy y'all are and how precious your time is. So we appreciate you spending it with us. Um, And I guess that kind of leads me in to my first question. And maybe this is something that um, all of you could answer. And that's really what, you know, kind of inspired you to do this work in, you know, kind of mental health promotion and suicide prevention as a medical student who has many other competing demands. You've got your classwork, you've got labs, you've got research you know, what really is your inspiration for doing this work in that busy
3: context? I can start if we want. (laughs) Um, I just think, one, um, it's very rewarding work. So even though we are super busy, it just feels like a good use of my time to dedicate the free time I have to working towards these initiatives, especially because I think, as medical students and medical professionals, anyone really in healthcare, we all hold ourselves to a different standard. Um, and I think a lot of times people either themselves don't feel like they're, um, I guess, like worthy of, you know, seeking treatment or that they too should be allowed to be experiencing some of these things because we're supposed to be the providers. And so everyone kind of I think looks at us as the people who don't normally need help and not normally a group of people that others are looking out for because we're looking out for everyone else. So I think for me, I just find a lot of reward of being able to give back to my fellow like med students and medical professionals and to just look out for them. Um, it just, it I'm very passionate about it. So it's easy to dedicate my time to it.
1: Yeah, Grace, I see you nodding.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
4: I was gonna say, um, well, I really like what Casey said. Um, From my perspective, I just feel like our mental health kind of governs how we go about each day. So it's always dominating our thoughts, our feelings, our actions. And it kind of shapes your outlook on life, especially our outlook on medical school as we're trying to get through every single day. Um, And then it also shows like the people who support you and your own mental health, they shape you as you go along too. Um, And I know for me personally, I would not be where I am today without mental health awareness. And that's kind of something I've just been hoping to provide to other people who might be struggling.
0: I love that.
2: Yeah, that was really great, Grace. I wanna bounce off of that a little bit. And before going into medical school, I did a big research project um, at all three of the MCW campuses. And so the research project was all about um, depression, anxiety, and stress scores during the first year of medical school at CW, Green Bay, and Milwaukee. And through that project, I learned that there are mental health um, challenges that are seen throughout all three campuses. And that just made me feel like closer in community because I've struggled with mental health as well. Mm-hmm. And so starting medical school, I wanted to get plugged in right away in a community where I could help others and help myself so that I could succeed in med school. So that's where I found these lovely people on our podcast too, and then also SPO, which we'll talk about later as well, I see. Um, so yeah, I have more of like a research background, and that's why I wanted to get plugged in right away. Great. That's great.
5: So, well... Everything that everyone has said, I'll echo it as well. But like for me personally, um, mental health and like mental health advocacy has been a part of my life since I think middle school is the first time I heard about it. And it progressively got more involved as I continued high school when I lost one of my classmates to suicide. And then throughout college, it just became more prevalent in my life. So I knew it was something that was affecting people around me personally, and I wanted to be there to help them, Mm -hmm. and so I got involved in the Green Bandana Project, um, which coincidentally became one of, like, the inspirations for starting SPO with the pins and the color coordinating of the pins, and so when I started medical school, we were tasked to start a community project, and Meg Leap, who founded SPO in conjunction with, like, the Suicide Prevention Council, was seeking someone to take over SPL, and so knowing that there is something similar to the Green Bandana Project, and being able to continue with medical school and having a smaller campus where you're more involved and integrated with each other's lives, I thought it was important to continue doing.
3: Hmm.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, it's so cool, Justin, that you were able to kind of continue that work. That that's been a. Uh, there's. I feel like there's a lot of. Um, disruptions and kind of our flow (laughs) throughout life and different Mm -hmm. stages of our training so it's cool that that's been a a constant for you and it sounds like others as well uh, kind of a long-standing interest in this so it's great you could continue that work and grow it as as medical students yeah
0: yeah, and for folks that are listening that might not know what the Green Bandana Project is, um, it's you know basically a, a green bandana or any other sort of signifier kind of can be worn by students um, and other folks to show others that you are a person that can be approached for support and help. The program that we're gonna talk about that's active on our campus, SPO, or Seeking Peer Outreach is another example, like Justin said, um, and, you know, is a really great way to outwardly demonstrate to folks that you're somebody that can be a safe person for folks to check in with and talk to. And I want to say, um, first of all, thank you all for sharing your stories and your experience. And I'm feeling very um, hopeful <laughs> in um the future of medicine, which sounds like a very big thing, but, you know, to have folks like you all who are going to be moving into the profession with such compassion and caring and um, passion uh, is really inspiring to me. So thank you. So, and we alluded to this a little bit. I know Erin and Casey, you both mentioned, um, you know, some of the stressors related to medical school, but I want to talk about suicide prevention and why it's so important for medical students. Um, You know, obviously, suicide prevention is important for everyone. But, you know, what are some of the factors that make this work um, really, really relevant in the space of medical school?
4: I think um, something I've noticed is that with medical school, there is this overarching pressure. We are constantly striving to be the best. A lot of us are very similar personality type have like very similar goals and have kind of just worked our whole lives for this achieving status and we are still doing so. um so I think that pressure really puts a lot on us um, and can really kind of bring out some of that anxiety, the depression, and other things that we're seeing in med school.
3: Yeah, and I think just to play off of that, I think, like Grace said, this is something that most of us have been working oh, like almost our entire lives for. Um, so I think when you get into medical school, your failures feel very heavy. Like everyone's gonna fail. It's almost inevitable. But when you fail, it, it just, I think it weighs a little bit differently. And we all kind of talk about um, imposter syndrome, where, coming into med school, you already are like, how did I get here? Who let me in here? And then you fail that first exam. And it's kind of like confirmation bias in your head, like, yep, I'm not supposed to be here. And so I think that just adds an extra layer of depth to failure in medical school. And like I alluded to earlier, I think what's hard for people outside of medical school to understand is, how hard we are on ourselves because from the outside we look like such high functioning succeeding you know everyone's like you should be so proud of yourself you're so smart and I, all of us are like i feel so stupid you know
2: mm-hmm.
3: um so i think people don't expect a group of students like us in medical school to struggle with those kinds of thoughts because from the outside it almost looks like you know, you have everything that you've worked for, but I think a lot of times it doesn't feel that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. And, and, you know, it, we can talk about, you know, stigma, right. And, and just, I, I think there are a lot of layers to this, but one of them, um, being maybe the, the stigma that's been associated with having challenges with mental health or seeking help, um, so I appreciate you all sharing a bit about some of the aspects of being a medical student that make this a, a really important time to ensure that support and resources are available. So I guess, like, without further ado, could you all tell our listeners about SPO? What does it stand for and and what does it entail?
3: Um I can kind of take a stab at it. It's uh, kind of a large thing. But so I think it and other students, please feel free to like chime in as you would like if I miss anything. But so I think kind of the catalyst that got this whole thing started was um, MCW lost one of their students to suicide a couple years back. Um, So I think a lot of people started really taking notice at some of these things that we are mentioning about how, you know, maybe we should pay a little bit closer attention because med students probably are a little bit better at hiding some of how they're really feeling. So, Uh, As Justin alluded to, there was a student, her name is Meg Lieb. She's now um, in plastic surgery residency, but she founded SPO, which stands for Seeking Peer Outreach. Um, She founded that program as her Pathways Community Intervention or Community Involvement Program. And so basically what it is, is a three-tier system. And the first tier is everybody that's involved at the MCW campus. Um, Meg used to joke that it it extends all the way to the janitors that come and clean the halls at the end of the night. So anyone that steps foot on our campus, um, the goal of those tier ones is to start to change the culture and break down some of that stigma surrounding mental health we uh, really encourage our tier ones to be open and to be honest about what they're struggling with so that it creates this sort of normal normal environment that everyone on CW campus talks about mental health. That way that if there is someone that finds themselves really struggling, they don't feel scared to come forward because everyone else is doing that too. Um, So when they are in a time of need, it doesn't feel as much of a barrier to start talking about those things. We also organize some events with our tier ones, um, where we just get together monthly and do little wellness activities I th- we did some like painting in the past. Uh, we did uh, just this past weekend a uh, walk for suicide prevention in our community, which is a little fundraiser up in Wausau, um, that we walk around the park in order to raise some funds for suicide prevention and just little things like that to make sure that we continue to give back to our community, but also continue to keep these topics in people's fore minds so, that, you know, they don't forget about those things. And basically just focusing on inclusion and making everyone on the CW campus feel like they're welcome. Everyone feel like they have somebody to turn to when they need somebody to talk to. So just one big, happy family. And then we okay. move on this, to our this universal, oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Reach. This universal reach, right? And so not not waiting until a time of, of crisis or like identified distress to, to start doing the work and laying the groundwork um that's great
3: yeah Justin did a lot of work with the tier ones I don't know if there was anything you wanted to add on that
5: no I think you covered it pretty well which is why I was hoping you were talking about all of SPO because you're really um good at (laughs) describing SPO because we've talked about it so much and you're usually the spokeswoman
3: (laughs) I'm (laughs) our elevator pitch lady
1: (laughs) how how many um students are involved with with the tier one or or are there like students trained as like facilitators or
3: so yeah so um all of our students all of our faculty all of the staff are tier ones there are specific students that run like the events so uh last year we had a couple of students that were in charge of planning some of those wellness activities which Aaron's kind of taken over a little bit more of that this year so I'm sure fun things to come from her planning some SPO stuff but otherwise it's it really just encompasses all of the students once we move to our second tier which is the tier two so those are um, a little bit more specialized so those are People that volunteer to do an additional training, Justin and myself and Dr. Kolbeck spent a lot of time putting to, um, and, and a lot of other people, not just us, but we spent a lot of time putting together a, it's about a two hour online training module. And it just focuses on topics of, mm, mental health, suicide prevention, how to intervene in an emotional crisis, how to do a handoff to like a medical professional. Um, So those tier twos, they'll um, complete that additional training. And then they just make a commitment basically to the entire tier one community that they're going to be a little, an extra eye looking out for them. Um, so they take on that responsibility that if one of their peers is struggling, they're somebody that they can reach out to, which Justin alluded to with his green bandana project. Um, so to be able to signal to everybody that you are a tier two, we have little pins. And if you're a tier two, they're gold. So people on campus, if they see that pin, they know that, you know, you're a friendly face and you're a welcome, a safe place for somebody to Like talk to if they ever need. If somebody doesn't feel comfortable face-to-face and they want something that's more anonymous, we do have a QR code that everybody on campus has access to. It's on those pins that are handed out and it's also um, plastered around our campus as well. So um, you could scan that code and it takes you to an anonymous reporting system where you could type something like I failed my exam today. I just really need somebody to talk to. And that will send out an anonymous email to all of our tier twos. And there's a sort of protocol that we follow to triage who's going to respond to that and how it all works. But ultimately, the goal is that you will anonymously get connected uh, with a tier two individual. And if they feel that Um, the crisis or the situation is out of their realm of what they can handle, then they can facilitate a warm transfer with a tier three individual, which is a medical professional, um, a licensed counselor, a psychiatrist, um, or you can just help provide them resources. All of our tier twos are very like knowledgeable on local counseling services, local um, or hotline crisis, like phone numbers that they can give out to, and so that's kind of how the whole program works its way through the tiers. It's really great, and I'm I I can see why
0: Casey, you're the spokeswoman the spokesperson for SPO because you did such a great job of discussing the Thanks. sort of the breadth of the program, um, and the sort of tier one, tier two, tier three designation is really based on primary, secondary, and tertiary prevention from the public health world where primary prevention is really universal, secondary prevention is for those that maybe have um, elevated risk. And then tertiary is for that really acute response and or, you know, helping kind of mitigate some of the negative impacts of some of these mental health issues that we see. And so I think the thing that I love most about SPO is the fact that it's it was developed by students for students. And the fact that this is, has been sustained, Um, you know, you mentioned that Meg has moved on to residency and, you know, another group of students has stepped up to take it on as now M3s, you and uh, Casey and Justin, and we've got two M2s that are stepping up, Grace and Aaron. And it just makes me feel really, um, really glad that you all have fostered a culture on your campus where you know this is something that folks want to sustain and want to carry forward. Um and and there's that that ownership and that buy-in. So oh, really man. great work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sarah, <laughs> do you the the training? I guess you and I, Sarah, have recently been talking about psychological first aid a bit. And so I'm curious if you can does that um is that part of the training that the tier you two know, people go through?
0: not formally but there are definitely components of kind of elements of psychological first aid that are you know woven into the training you know certainly that um supporting somebody who's been through a potentially traumatic or very stressful situation and being able to sort of offer that um that space to be a listener that support person for that so it's not you know, sort of formally recognized, I don't think a psychological first aid in the training itself, but it's very much some of those elements are interwoven into it. And so, I mean, the training itself is really pretty um, holistic in terms of, you know, here, here are the statistics, here's why, here's what you can do. And also, here's how you take care of yourself um, in the space of doing this work, which I think is really helpful. And we actually had Barbara Moser on as a guest several episodes ago to talk about that mindful self-compassion that she helped to integrate into the training. And so, um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's very holistic and, and and complete in terms of the information that's offered for sure.
3: Yeah, it definitely touches on several things. There was a lot of expertise in a lot of different areas. As Dr. Kolbeck um, mentioned, Dr. Moser was involved with the self-compassion. Dr. Cipriano was involved as well. I pulled on some work, um, some training that I had gotten from the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. We took some stuff from the Be the One Two with their five action process, um, which is ask, be there, keep them safe, help them connect and follow up, I believe. Um, so it kind of follows those, uh, all of those different, we pulled a lot of resources in. So it's a very like all inclusive training. Um, I think we're all really proud of the work we did for that. Yeah. And I will say
0: that, um, for folks that maybe that aren't super familiar with our, our institution, we have, um you know, three campuses that are part of our medical school, our Milwaukee campuses, are large, our largest campus. And then we have two campuses in other parts of Wisconsin, Central Wisconsin is in the Wausau area, as Casey mentioned, and then our Green Bay campus is obviously in Green Bay. And so having this program instituted at Central Wisconsin, which is uh, one of our smaller two campuses, I think you know, was a really uh, great tactic to have good information that then is now allowing us to be able to scale up to our right. Milwaukee campus, which is quite a bigger, many more students, um, faculty and staff. And so we're relying on lessons that y'all learned at Central Wisconsin to bring um, this to our other campuses so that everyone can benefit from the great work that, that was started at your campus. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm curious if um anyone has or any if if anyone wants to share me something that they've learned through their involvement in this or uh, maybe an experience uh, that comes to mind that has been impactful for you in terms of your involvement with s p o and your leadership
5: well, not necessarily related to like the program itself, but the so Casey and I's first year was like the first year it was officially rolled out. It got launched in the spring before we started. So it was kind of a soft launch so they could get tier twos up and trained and running. So they knew what was going on. But when it came to our class um, to see who wanted to be a tier two the next time, I think essentially our entire class either nominated someone else in our class or self-nominated. So the entire all 20 of us were going to be trained as tier twos. And I thought that oh, that's was amazing. something really unique and impactful. So it's like, not just something like the four of us now. So like the, us on this podcast and then plus Meg and then the others that helped it. That was important. Like our entire class thought it was something that was important and impactful and something that they could see pro like going on for a longer time than just that one year. And like, we've seen it with like, it was easy to find Grace and Aaron to take over our roles. It's like, we didn't have to do a lot of work. They kind of came to us. And it was like, it's just something that like, we have talked about on our campus and like people from our campuses talked about. So like other people from across the country have reached out to us and asked to talk about our program and like how we got it up and running, like issues we have like had just so they could start something similar.
1: That's exciting
0: so we've talked a lot about you know your passion y'all's passion for this work the work that you do and I'm curious how you all take care of yourselves as you're working working through this program as you're working through the demands of medical school what are some things that you all do to make sure that you are um, as mentally well as you can be
2: I can go first because I am one of the leaders for the student wellness group that we have at MCWCW and I just want to echo what Justin said about how much of an honor it is to be part of SPO and how much pride I take in our campus with how everyone seems to want to be involved in SPO and how whether you're a tier two or not, um, the climate at our campus is very much a family and we check in on each other. So yeah, I just wanted to reiterate what Justin said because I echo that, I retweet that or re-X that, whatever Twitter's called now. <laughs> but um, some things that I like to do to take care of myself, Grace and I, and Justin, are training for a half marathon, and that's just cool that we're doing together as classmates. Um, I also really like participating in our intramural sports. So we just finished up sand volleyball and we're starting pickleball up, which is super cool.
0: That is really cool.
4: I think for me um, personally, I enjoy watercoloring, so that's something I do in my free time just by myself. Um, But in terms of taking care of myself with the demands of med school, it's also relying on other tier twos, you kind of come to a point where you realize you can't hold everything and take everything upon yourself. So having those other people, Aaron and Casey and Justin are all people to me um, that I feel I can go to if I ever need anything. So being able to have those deeper conversations and talk about our struggles with each other is super important. And I think that just helps take care of myself as well.
1: That's great. Yeah. I think any, um, I, I just think it's important that people that are in some kind of helping role don't feel that they're alone. And so it's, it's cool that it's cool to hear you talk about the way that you're, you're connected with each other as a group and that the supporters have support.
3: Yeah. I echoing off of what Grace said, that's kind of, um, A different that's like a path we wanted to continue with the program as well is making sure that we're doing almost like debriefing sessions with our tier twos just because again you know we created this program because a lot of medical professionals fall through the cracks because they think they're supposed to be the providers and they don't think that they're the people that could you know need help sometimes so we don't want that to now be falling on our tier twos as well but Mm -hmm like Aaron and Justin said, truly like SPO is a culture change on our campus. Like even um, we have like Carrie um, Carrie Corcoran, she comes up um, and I, I remember her saying one time, she was like, yeah, you step foot on this campus and it just feels like a family. So honestly, I feel extremely grateful that I was accepted to medical school on this campus because I think it's, I think I've coped with medical school by meeting the wonderful people on this campus and being a part of this program. It just like there's so much support from students and staff and faculty. But also, everyone that knows me knows that I love my twin sister and my family with everything in me. So I always make sure to check in with those people because um, they keep me grounded and bring me back down when I'm freaking out about med school stuff. So always make sure to step outside of our little world that we're in. Cause sometimes it can be really overwhelming.
1: Yeah. It's great to have, keep up connections with people who are not in the program, uh, like out, outside people doing other things. I'm curious, what has like utilization been like of, of SPO so far? Um, are our students reaching out?
4: I can talk a little bit on this specifically for our campus. So SPO in a way, if we're talking about like the QR code and anonymous submissions is not super well utilized, but what that shows us as a campus is that everyone is already comfortable talking about their struggles with individuals face-to-face or with faculty that people don't feel the need to use the anonymous submission. And I think that's something that our campus is really proud of. That's amazing. Um, it's, and I
0: appreciate what, what Casey said earlier too, about the culture change, because that's, I feel like that's really what these things take is, is a deeper shift um, at kind of the, the community slash college slash school level is, That um, changing the culture, reducing stigma kind of really broadly, normalizing these conversations to the point where, you know, everybody wants to be involved as a supporter and therefore everybody has somebody to go to whenever they are, you know, needing that extra support. And so, um, you know, utilization, you can look at it a couple different ways, I think, you know. In some cases, you might say, oh, it hasn't been utilized much. Not, it must not be a success. But I think looking at it in the context of everything else that's been done in the with SPO, it's a huge success because people are not feeling the need to be anonymous. They can just reach out and count on their peers, which is really, really cool to hear.
3: Yeah, I'm so glad that Grace said that because I have literally had students and like staff even reach out to me and say like I know you're an SPO lead or I know you're a tier two can I talk to you or can you send me to a tier two like I don't care if I'm anonymous like everybody knows who I am we're a family I just want someone to talk to um so yeah I think because sometimes when you just look at the numbers it's like oh well no one really uses it but People use the program all the time, like every single day. I think honestly, it's just, yeah, we feel more comfortable not being anonymous about it. But I think once it implements into a bigger campus like Milwaukee, I think then you might see um, the anon anonymous reporting might be a little bit more useful for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that the fact that people are reaching out in that non anonymous way speaks to the culture shift that y'all have contributed to
2: another thing that i would want to point out is although we do have the anonymous qr code we do a lot of things on campus too to help that climate change so if we have like a luncheon or um, some other student wellness activities like um decorating cookies or murals and stuff i would say that I don't know the percentage, but a lot of people on campus, staff included, attend those events, which I think has helped make our campus feel more like a family and less like a medical school.
0: Yeah, yeah that connection to others is so important um, and fostering that is something that it sounds like you all are doing really well. So I have one final question, and this is something that we ask all of our guests, and I would love it and appreciate it if you all could answer um, if you're comfortable. And what is that? The question is: What is something you wish everyone knew about suicide prevention? This is kind of the MythBusters <laughs> portion of the podcast.
5: I'm gonna go first, so no one can steal my answer. Uh, <laughs> it's preventable. <laughs> like it's not something that's ends up being inevitable down the line. You can prevent it, just like any other. Like long-term disease like there's something that there's an intervention that can be done to prevent it and so whether that's like finding someone you can talk to starting a medication to help or just like doing something you enjoy so like I enjoy running I enjoy baking those are the two things that I made sure I continue when I started med school because otherwise I wouldn't be who I am like I think three of the students on the podcast know that I make a lot of baked goods um and I have. Yeah, to and he's he's
3: very good at it too.
5: <laughs> so, yeah, just knowing that it's preventable and like it just needs to be talked about. That's the thing that's like I feel like the biggest barrier is like no one wants to talk about it and then it can't be mm-hmm. prevented.
0: Yeah. um If I make a trip up to central Wisconsin, can I get some baked
5: <laughs> I, I goods? I
0: would
3: drive for that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Can you bring him down, Sarah?
3: I will. Yes. <laughs> The snickerdoodles, you guys, there tonight. Oh, delightful.
1: yes. I love, I love sweets. So
2: Thanks, Justin. So I would have to pick Justin's banana bread as my favorite. But just to bounce off of what he said, something that I wish everyone would know about suicide prevention is the importance of checking in. So that could be checking in on yourself and others. I think that before you can provide care to others, like us as future physicians, we need to be able to provide care to ourselves. So like Justin said, running and baking, those are things that he hasn't given up so that he um, can focus on himself as well. And then I also feel like our campus is a good job at like just knowing each other and checking in on others because you never know what other people are going through.
1: That's fantastic. I think I'll, I'll throw out there that it's, Oh, it's, uh, interesting to me how throughout different stages of your training and your career, that the things that help you stay well might, might evolve. Um, so it's, it's interesting to me how, um, uh, that part of that checking in, I think, Erin, that you're talking about is kind of asking yourself, what do I need at this stage, at this point in my life to, to be well?
4: Yeah. Um, So going forward, something that I wish everyone knew about suicide prevention, I think, is that you cannot put the idea of suicide in someone's head. So if you are concerned about suicide, that you need to bring it up and have kind of that active, gentle conversation surrounding suicide with the person that you're worried about. Um, I think by doing this, you're not only identifying yourself as someone who's comfortable talking about suicide, um, that you're seeing past the stigma, um, but that you're also identifying yourself as a supporter and an open, honest individual who's prepared to have difficult conversations. I think you just may never know how much it may mean to someone to have that difficult conversation and to make them feel heard and to feel seen. I love that. Yeah,
0: one of the I think most impactful things that I've heard and I heard it in a training as I've done this work over the past several years is the worst thing that's going to happen from a conversation like that is you're going to let the person know you care about them. Even if it's, even if suicide isn't a consideration Uh, like you said, Grace, you're not putting that thought in their mind, but you are letting them know that you care. And so it, it having that conversation is so important, even if, Um, they're not thinking about suicide. So thanks for mentioning that.
3: Yeah, I love that, Grace. I think it fits perfectly with this podcast, too, because everyone's, you know, afraid to say the word suicide, but it's not a bad word and it doesn't need to be scary if we just know what to look for and how to look out for each other. Um, Something I wish that Everyone knew um, whether you're struggling with mental health or whether you're an outsider looking in on someone struggling with mental health is just how common it is, and that it's it's really not this taboo, um, crazy topic anymore that we don't know anything about, and it's not anything to be scared of. And. Um, just that you're not alone if you're struggling with mental health. And if you know someone that is, you're also not the first person to meet someone um, that's struggling with that. Because I think a lot of times still in our society, mental health is not something that's extremely understood by everybody. And so I think you can feel very isolating when you are someone that's struggling with those issues. And I just wish people knew that it is extremely common and you're not alone.
1: Yeah. So, something I, one of my soapboxes, which I'll just put one foot on um, briefly is that, uh, you know, I think a lot of times medical providers um, or people providing behavioral health services talk about kind of pride themselves on being like evidence-based. And it's a little bit of a, like, <laughs> I practice like evidence-based uh, psychotherapy or whatever the, the treatment is. We have an evidence base for suicide prevention and and there's, empirical research on this and so we're not uh, kind of navigating this uh blindly we've we've got research to guide us so i uh, i really like what you said about um kind of how common this is and how we aren't kind of in the dark ages really resonated with me
0: well we have come to the top of the hour and um, Can i ask
1: one other question
0: yes go ahead
1: okay, okay. um Something I have been thinking about is that I think a big driver of suicide at times is when people feel stuck Um, and with medical students or residents, I, I wonder sometimes about, for example, someone that starts medical school and then decides it's not for them or someone who isn't able to get into the residency that they've got their hopes set on, that those in those situations, that feeling of hopelessness about the future or shame or um, feeling stuck might be really strong. And so I was just curious if you had any thoughts about that um, and how maybe you we might start to, to address that.
2: I like that question, Andrew, and this is a little plug. I wrote a piece for the transformational times called FOMO rebranded and FOMO is an acronym that used to stand for fear of missing out. And that's something that I really struggled with starting medical school and kind of seeing all of my Friends from college start their jobs, get into the medical school that they wanted to right away, um, make a lot of money, travel, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. The list goes on. Mm-hmm. But so, in this piece that I wrote, I rebranded FOMO, fear of missing out, to future of my own. So,
1: I love that.
2: So, or yeah. er, so, I've tried to focus on like the fortune that we get is comparison is a thief of joy so the fortune that we have right now might be something that somebody else is envious of but there is going to be a really successful future that we have and it's not useful to be stuck on comparing yourself to what other people are doing where they are at in their life because we truly do have a fortune of our own such a wise thing to
0: say (laughs) I love that so much um that's really great. Um I'm going to have to read that piece because now I'm curious. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I have there's this one quote that I have like taped up on the side of my fridge um because I think for sure feeling stuck is something a lot of us go through, especially like what Aaron was saying when we see people in early and mid-20s that, you know, they're buying houses, they're getting married or having kids and in their careers. And you're like, oh well, I'm still in school acquiring loans. So things changed for me. Um, but I saw this quote once that said that where I am today is where I dreamed of being five years ago. And I think that hit me because when I was an undergrad, I was just constantly working to get into medical school and now I'm here. And I think a lot of times as as medical students, we don't take time to appreciate how far we've come because we are constantly working for the next thing. And I think that's why sometimes we do feel so stuck is because you feel like you're never actually reaching your goal because there's always something ahead of that that you're trying to work for so just trying to be able to take in mind of how far we've come and appreciate everything that we've learned i think is a really good thing to remind yourself to do because otherwise you can i agree you can feel pretty stuck Mm
2: -hmm. and
3: feel like you're not moving forward even though you are
2: Mm
3: -hmm. i really
4: like that casey I think something I try to do, too, if I'm ever feeling that way, is I try to focus on gratitude, but I focus on gratitude in the way that I think of every single decision I've ever made, things that have gone right, things that have gone wrong, and how that all led me to where I am today. Hmm. And so I think about in writing all my secondary applications for med school that like if I hadn't mentioned this one thing I probably wouldn't be at MCWCW right now which means that I wouldn't have met Casey I wouldn't have met Justin I wouldn't have met Aaron which means I wouldn't be involved in SPO and I just think about how even the slightest smallest decision affected where I am today Um, and so I think about that a lot even like in high school like had I taken a different class maybe I wouldn't even be interested in science or medicine or would be in medical school at all. Um, so I try to be grateful for those decisions I made, even if they didn't necessarily at the time end in the result that I wanted.
1: Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks for, uh, considering that question. I, I really appreciate your, uh, thoughtfulness thoughtfulness in, in responding to that.
0: Yeah. Thanks for the question. It was a good one. So we are going to wrap up. We are at the top of the hour and I, um, really just want to say thank you, Justin, Grace, Aaron, and Casey for your time, for sharing your experience, not only as medical students, but in, um, as peer supporters and for sharing your passion for this work of mental health promotion and suicide prevention. Um, we really appreciate it. And, um, We're going to disseminate this widely so hopefully all of the faculty and staff across our three campuses can hear about the great work you're doing and get excited about doing it on their own campus so thank you so much. I just want to remind our listeners of resources that you can reach out to if you ever are concerned about yourself or a loved one. Again, you can reach the suicide and crisis lifeline by dialing or texting 988 or you can reach the crisis text line by texting the word talk to 741-741. I also just wanna mention that there are resources available um, at the county level. If you look at the Prevent Suicide Wisconsin website at preventsuicidewi.org, you can find all kinds of information about support groups um, at the county level across Wisconsin. And I also wanna just give a shout out to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, this is walk season. Um, so if you have an AFSP walk in your community, I encourage you to join. The Milwaukee walk is coming up on October 15th at 10 a.m. at Veterans Park, and it is free to register. So please stop down if you have time.
1: So I, I also just- want to give a, a shout out to the uh, MCW Suicide Prevention Council. I think that 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 group did, did some great work in supporting this, this project. So just want to holler them out here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially Dr. Cipriano, Mm -hmm. Darcy Ipak, and Carrie Corcoran who um, leads so much of that work. So thanks to all. And thank you, Andrew, for that reminder as well. And I just want to mention that our next episode in October is going to be another great episode. We're going to be talking with Charlotte Maya, who is an author of the book Sushi Tuesdays. Which is um, a memoir of her experience as a suicide loss survivor. Andrew and I just got copies of the book. (laughs) Andrew's showing it now. And I'm super excited. This came in the mail. Yes. And I I was like, thank you
1: for this book.
0: I know. It's really good. I'm a couple of chapters in, and um, I'm excited to talk to Charlotte about her experience. Um, That's great and everything that she's learned over the past many years so thanks so much to our guests and thank you to our listeners and thanks Andrew and we'll talk next month
1: take care everyone